We always look forward to Texas Instruments earnings for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is that we get to catch up with Rafael Lazardi, the chief financial officer, who joins us right now. It's good to have you with us. Good to be here, Dave. Thank you. Thank you. I, Wall Street was not enamored with, uh, well, the earnings were good, and I think actually better than we talked about maybe three months ago. But it seems like we're getting the same thing that you and I talked about three months ago, which is that the outlook is just not all that great. You know, uh, the revenue came in about as expected uh, near the midpoint, but uh, we continue to operate in a, in a weak environment. And uh, we saw increasing weakness in industrial and automotive as customers uh, work to reduce their inventory level. So you, we saw that in the fourth quarter, and that's uh, what, uh, what we're seeing going into, uh, into 2024. I'm surprised. So they're not building inventory. You know, everything we see sort of points to, a, points to a soft landing and an uptick in the economy, at least here anyway. So is the weakness here or is it abroad uh, that, that is cutting the demand for the chips? Yeah, you know, our sense is um, it's a very complex supply chain, right? By the time you, you know, you and consumers, you see, you buy cars, you buy uh, uh, products that come out of factories. But for us, we are so many steps removed from that because we build the chips that go into the, into the uh, board that then is sold to a, to a tier one car uh, company supplier that then sells to a car or even to a factory will sell all kinds of products that go into automation, that go into a factory, that then build the products that you buy. So um, what what generally you see, you're seeing right now in the semiconductor cycle is the building and draining, in this case draining, of inventory inside that chain. So so the end, end demand, you know, consumers buying products, that may be running very well. In fact, my sense is it is, to your point, yeah. with the soft landing. But if if inside of that supply chain are, are customers, suppliers to, to the whole uh, process, uh, have built inventory, and now they decide we're just going to not even decrease inventory, just not build anymore, we see that as a, as a drop in demand. But that tends to be temporary um, while that inventory is uh, kind of gets back in place. And then over the long term, our confidence on the secular uh, growth of semiconductor remains uh, very high. So that's uh, that's what we're aiming for. There's just a lot of caution out there. You know, my sense is there are a lot of people running companies right, right now. Most people running companies right now have never run companies through a period like this when we've had, you know, increasing inflation and higher interest rates. You don't know how long it's going to go. Is uh, the the playbook is 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 sort of hard and it's hard to see the future. You know there there is uh, a lot of noise uh, to your point macroeconomic concerns. You mentioned inflation, other things. There's obviously uh, geopolitical uh, tensions yeah. going on, so that also clouds uh, the environment. But we are we're aiming uh, to the long term, and as I said before, we're confident in the secular growth of semiconductors. Our positioning those, you know, three quarters of our of our revenue now is in industrial automotive, which are the best spaces. Sure. Um, and then our geopolitically dependable capacity. We're building uh, all these uh, fabs here in Texas, some in Utah, so clearly all in the United States, um, which uh, puts us in a in a really good place to be insulated from those geopolitical concerns and to insulate our customers from those. You know, I saw a story. I guess it was maybe it was last month that Samsung, which was building this big I think seventeen twenty billion dollar plant outside of Austin that they were delaying production and uh, they had sort of they had planned to ramp up 
I guess this year, and now they're pushing it off into next year. Yeah, I saw some of that, and there's a, a few others, maybe with TSMC, that had similar comments. We are not seeing those issues. We are uh, on schedule, and um, uh, RFAP 2 continues to ramp. Uh, Sherman 1 and 2, we're the, the building for those, the construction is on schedule, and we expect to have production from SM1, Sherman 1, as early as 2025. And um, we are we broke ground uh, late last year in uh, in the second factory in Lehigh, and we expect to be uh, building that starting the construction this year, and have a production out of there as early as 2026. So well, that, all that uh, remains on schedule. Now that's optimistic. I mean that in in fact more so. I can't believe Sherman is beginning to come online that early. Um, so so no no problems in the build out, no hiccups along no. the way. No, nothing to uh, to speak of. Of course, it's a very complex process, and a lot of people are working on that. So, uh, and they're tackling challenges uh, left and right. But at a big picture, we're on schedule, uh, doing well, and yeah, expect up production qualification and 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 some level of production as early as right late late next year. You're a multinational company. You sell chips that may turn around and come back here and different products, but you're you you touch every part of the globe and china really has been slowing down right now their gdp's down their birth rates down i've seen stories they're trying to stimulate the economy over there they've changed some of the banking rules trying to work it out are you impacted i mean most everybody is seems like it's impacted by a chinese slowdown so uh we are of course just like anybody else anytime uh, uh such a big part of the world economy uh, slows down that's going to show up uh at least indirectly um in in our numbers but uh you know their their challenges um uh, uh the, the weakness that we're seeing is really uh best uh, explained by an end market standpoint so for yeah. example personal electronics which is computers cell phones, et cetera, that started weakening about a year and a half ago. And if you think back to the pandemic, that's the, those are the spaces that grew the fastest because everybody was at home buying computers, TVs, phones, et cetera. So it makes sense that that would be the first one to have built too much inventory. People bought enough of those uh, uh, computers and then that weakened first. Then industrial started weakening about, I want to say three quarters ago, maybe four quarters ago. Um, and then automotive, just uh, we saw the first sign of weakness uh, when sequential decline um, in fourth quarter. So uh, it's been an interesting, and we're seeing that dynamic across regions. So that is really not that different, uh, China versus uh, versus Europe versus the Americas, et cetera. So, but that is an interesting part of this um, yeah. uh, of this cycle where it has been a synchronous by by the end markets. The end markets are behaving very differently. But it's a domino. I mean, it's, it's the domino effect. Let me ask you about, so you're such a major player in, in the automotive industry, and automobiles use more and more chips, it seems like, all the time. In particular, the growth of the EV, has that helped you? Do, do, does an electric vehicle or a hybrid use more of your chips than just a, a, a regular internal combustion engine automobile? It, absolutely. Uh, in general... And you see different estimates in different places, but roughly speaking, uh, an EV will use about $1,000 of semiconductors 
And not all of those are Texas Instruments Semiconductors, but you know, roughly a thousand dollars. Some use a little more, a little less, but but call it that. Whereas an internal combustion engine car, on average, is probably around two to three hundred dollars in that neighborhood. Uh, so every time there's a you know somebody buys an EV versus an ICE uh, car, uh, we're gonna we're gonna benefit. But you know, two to three hundred dollars on the internal combustion engine and ICE car, that's also significant and yeah. that is also growing. Sure. Because even if you have a an internal combustion engine car, you want the latest and greatest on safety, on automation, uh on uh, electrification of the car, uh and semiconductors provide that. So um so we're we're benefiting from just the the entire process of making cars uh, safer and and better. All right, so, so I, I, it wouldn't be one of our calls if I didn't ask you the obligatory question, even though I think I know the answer. Artificial intelligence is everybody's buzzword. Nvidia is just taken off because of these chips that are in such demand for artificial intelligence. You all still doing the blocking and tackling and analog chips? Are, are you into that market? Are you looking at that market at all? So we are, um, we are on the various angles to that question. I think where, where you're going is where do we sell uh, related to artificial intelligence? Well, for any chip, any AI chip that NVIDIA sells, uh, you need hundreds, if not more chips around that to make it happen. Okay, that is on, this, on really? the server rack or even on the applications. Now, of course, you know, an NVIDIA chip sells for tens of thousands of dollars. Our chips on average sell for 40, 45, 50 cents. Sometimes they go as high as a couple dollars, but so we're talking orders of magnitude difference. But, uh, but the more uh, there's a need for AI, for more servers, and then the applications that, that generate that, right? Because anytime AI needs data, so the data in the world is analog. So you sense that through analog products. So it all kind of snowballs. Um, so, uh, so we are, uh, we are in that space from that angle, right? Obviously we're not, uh, designing or building the actual, uh, AI chips, but the, the periphery of, of that. Another angle to that is what we do internally at TI with, uh, AI. And we are just like many companies trying to take advantage of that in some of our processes, R and D sales, uh, even finance, for example, just how can we get smarter by leveraging, uh, automation, technology, uh, to do things better. And AI is just one more tool in the toolkit uh, to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And and I always learn something from you. I always enjoy it. Rafael Lazardi is Chief Financial Officer for Texas Instruments. Thank you very much for the time, sir. We appreciate it. Thanks, David. Thanks. For more of our conversation, go to krld.com slash CEO. I'm David Johnson, News Radio 1080 KRLD.